This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Stretch Ron of Grant and Danny. We're with you until 6.30 tonight right here on The Fan. And we are pleased. What an honor it is when you get to have a Hall of Famer on the program. Six-time All-Star and a former Couple-time scoring champ and a multi-time All-NBA player as well. Uh, Adrian Dantley is with us on GND to discuss what has been an amazing couple of nights and historical last few days in the NBA. Adrian, we appreciate a few minutes here on The Fan. Thank you. No problem. Looking forward to you guys' questions. (laughs) So, (laughs) Adrian, one of the cool things about LeBron setting this record, I think, is it is you know, for for younger kids or for you know for guys younger than myself who never really saw Kareem play, it sort of right. re- puts him back in the limelight again, and, and folks get to remember how good he was as his teammate and opponent several times. I'd love for you just to d- describe what it was like playing with him and going up against him as a scorer. Well, that's why I tell a lot of young guys they be making opinions about certain players. So you got to you know you got to look at the history of the players that you haven't seen in the past. And Kareem was just awesome. I mean, you know, I know LeBron is the leading scorer, but you got to remember that Kareem uh, didn't play pro ball. You know, he didn't go into the league as a freshman. You know, he had to play four years of college basketball. But that shot was unstoppable, a great player. And, you know, he only shot twos. He didn't shoot threes. But uh, one of the – you know, he's one of my top five, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the, you know, the ever-going conversation, right? Everyone wants to rank these guys and say, oh, this player's the GOAT or that player's the GOAT. But you just said something interesting to me about, you know, younger people now, and, and they see a player's career and they say, well, he's the best unequivocally. And I just wonder now, when you look back, your career and some of the unbelievable players you played with in the 70s, 80s, and, and early 90s, like how you view that, because you saw some of the, the great eras of basketball, and now as a consumer, even non-playing, have watched some of these stars since. Well, all I know is when we played, it was very difficult to score. I mean, back then when we played, you know, you had the hand checking, the forearm checking, and it got to a point where it was really bad when the Knicks, when they had Pat Riley there, I mean, they, you really had to have some offensive skills and have will to score because I don't know if you remember scoring 75 to 79. Yeah. And then the league started changing the rules where you can't do any hand checking. You can't make any uh, aggressive fouls. Not that the players today couldn't handle that, but, you know, when we play, I know when I play, I remember my rookie year when I drove into the lane for a layup. 
Bob Lanier almost took my head off, and he said, Adrian, we're not at Notre Dame anymore. Don't come (laughs) in my territory. And that's a very intimidating – I mean, that's a very intimidating when you play against guys like myself. You play against guys like Lanier, you know, Dave Cowens, Wes Unsell, Nate Thurman, you know, Artis Gilmore. You wasn't going to drive in the lane or Clifford Ray. You wasn't going to go in there and drive the lane like today's players. If you file a player today, you know, you might get suspended for three games and so forth. So it's a different game. It was different rules and different errors. Great. Adrian Dantley with us here on Grant and Danny. It, it, so I'd love for you to go more into that, Adrian, if you, if you don't mind, in, in terms of where offense came from, right? I feel like it was a, it was a slower-paced game in terms of half-court offenses, and everything was about the post. It kind of ran through the big man versus now. I, I just, I'd love for you to go into that a little bit. Well, all since high school, it always went through the big man. If 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 the person if the team had that type of personnel, but the league has changed now. You got the you got guys shooting three pointers. I mean, I kind of like watching Embiid, like him when he goes inside, as opposed to going out to the post. He can go out to the perimeter and he's posting up. You know, that's a, like a lost art now. You don't see much post play. But what do you have now? Is you just have spacing and you know shooting the three ball. I mean. I, I remember when we played uh, the Denver Nuggets. I don't know if you remember. They was playing that way at that time. Or Coach Westhead, when he was at the Nuggets, when they was getting 160 points and everybody was saying, this is not going to work. That's what the players are doing now. That's what the, that's what the general managers want now. That's what the uh, coaches want now. They want fast pace. They look at the, you know, how many threes you shoot. And that's very important. And uh, for today's basketball player, one of the best things they – can do and and work on is you got to be a shooter because that's what everybody's looking for right now. You've got to be able to – they love players that can shoot three ball. Hall of Famer Adrian Dantley on Grant and Danny by way of DeMatha and Notre Dame, former sixth overall pick in the draft who became one of the greats of his era uh, representing the area so well. Uh, Adrian, based on some of the things you just mentioned, right, and I would add the spacing of the floor, the range some of these guys have. Damian Lillard steps across the timeline, and he's a threat to shoot. What Steph Curry does is unconscionable to me. How how can teams even play defense anymore? I mean, you referenced how much easier it is to score, essentially, now. But by way of the lack of contact that you're talking about, right, the fouls that get called, I don't even know what the expectation should be. I remember last year, Danny and I were talking about how bad the Wizards' defense was and how many points they're giving up. But everyone in the NBA is that way now. Like, there is no defense. Well, it's offense now. I mean, you, you play some defense. The, 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 best, the best teams that's going to win the championship, they're going to play some defense when they have to. But during the regular season, when guys be traveling and guys come home from a four-game road trip and they playing a team that's already been there, it's very difficult. And, and you know, guys, guys now have the green light. I mean, back then when we played – we had players that could shoot threes, but if you came down and, and jack up a three like they do now, you'd be on the bench, you know. So it's just a different different type of game right now. And Adrian, you put on so many good teams in, in your own right. And again, as we've talked about the eras and how different they are, I think LeBron could play in any era. Obviously, a guy that skilled, that strong, who's taking care of his body so well, putting up the numbers he is as, as a 38-year-old, just remarkable. How would he have fit in uh, kind of in your heyday? Oh, he definitely would have been a been able to fit in our era. The question is, would he have been playing point forward? And that's where he, that's where I feel like LeBron has an advantage. He mm-hmm. probably would play the regular 
you know, small forward position. He would be, you know, he would be he wouldn't handle the ball. Back in my era, it was only one player that that, that was they what you, what you would call the point forward. I don't know if you remember Don Nelson when he would come out with small teams. That's what teams are doing now. And Paul Presser used to play the point point forward. That's his, that's what LeBron's doing right now. But he definitely would have been able to play in that era. No question about that. What do you make of, of his game and just think of his career in general? Oh, unbelievable career. You know, anytime I, I'm, I always talk to people, I say I, I'm jealous because this guy has never had a major injury. I know I, I had two major injuries where I missed almost almost the whole year. I mean, I, I could have scored another 3,000 points. But, you know, he <laughs> takes care of himself. Uh, you know, he, he, that's all you hear about him. He got, you know, uh, trainers with him. Uh, you got to respect the guy. And the one thing that I respect more, a, a lot about him is that he's risen to the occasion. I mean, he was a superstar coming out of high school, did well right from the beginning. I mean, even Kobe Bryant had to sit one year when he went to Charlotte or when, when he went to L.A. LeBron went in there right from day one, averaging 25 points a game. And uh, every year, just consistent, longevity, no major injuries. He has the will to play the game of basketball. It's like it's unheard of for for a guy that age. I mean, 38 in his 20th year, and he's still averaging over 25 points a game. This is just for me, Adrian. This is fun for me as a as a hoops nerd. You led the league in scoring in 83-84, and you took four threes. Took four, and you led the league in scoring. You drop Adrian Dantley in his prime, call it 26, 27, 28 years old, in today's NBA, how many points a game would you score? And don't be modest. Well, I think that, you know, a lot of it has to do with the right team you're on, with the, the type of talent, personnel that you have on the team. I, would def, I wouldn't have any problems, you know, playing in the NBA in this era. I mean, uh, every, at every level, they always said that I couldn't play in that era. You know, high school, college pros, never had a problem. So I, I don't think I would have a problem uh, doing real well the way the game is played today. I probably would be more mid-range than I would shoot threes. You know, I, I could shoot threes, but back then he didn't have the analytics. I mean, you know, if you shot 30%, 35%, you know, I guess that's pretty good. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, I was more of a – I was – I always felt when I played, I always wanted to shoot over fifty percent. So, so I was more and you eighteen did that. feet on in, eighteen feet on in. That was that was my game. You said earlier in the conversation, and we can let you go here, but you said Kareem would be in your top five, and I'd be remiss if I didn't follow up on that. What does that top five look like? What is the Hall got, of Fame? Go ahead. I got my I got my top five. I got I got I got Bill Russell, Chamberlain, Jabbar, Jordan, and LeBron. Well, LeBron cracked the list. I got, I got. I mean, you gotta, you gotta look at what he's done since he's been in the league and what he's doing now. Yeah, I, I would have him. I would have my choice, my opinion. I would have LeBron in the top five. Awesome, Adrian. This is a real treat, man. Thank you so much for the time this afternoon. You guys take care. Good talking to you. You as well, Adrian Dantley. Always cool to get a Hall of Famer on the air. My little story is I coached. Adrian's son, uh, when he was in high school. And after a game, Adrian Dantley, a guy that like, I idolized, walked up and was like, pardon me, coach. I was like, uh, yes, Mr. Dantley, like, 
can you sign me an autograph when this conversation's over? <laughs> right. And he's like, do you mind if I take, he said his son, mind if I take him? He's got a basketball tournament that he's got to get to. I was like, oh, absolutely, sir. No problem here. Because we're going to have like a little team meeting after a game. And I was just so awkward and in, in reverence. His son ended up playing college football, yeah? Great kid. And yeah, was a quarterback at, uh, at uh, Syracuse. Must be nice, yeah. you know, to just have that. Like your pops is an NBA player and you're just born with so much athletic ability. Yep. That now I'm sure he put in a lot of work too. Oh, he worked his tail off, but that's awesome. He had the best hands I've ever seen of of any athlete anywhere. Couple of things to hit on the way out here in our final few minutes. Some of the big stories of the day, starting with the AJ Perez piece from Front Office Sports. He's going to join us on the show at five o'clock tomorrow. He says Dan Snyder is holding out for a seven billion dollar bid for his Commanders. He says that he's got sources telling him that Snyder may not sell if he doesn't get $7 billion. Now, there's a hedge in here that a lot of people around the league think he'll sell one way or the other. Danny Ruye, do you think ultimately the bidding gets to $7 billion? Do you think Bezos gets in? Because the other part of this story is that there are still plenty of people around the NFL assuming that Bezos is going to bid, and that will help the number get higher. I don't think Bezos gets in. Um, I don't think the number gets to $7 billion. All right, let's take each of those then. Okay. Why don't you think Bezos gets in? He and Jay-Z have had their their little special meetings they were having. He's been linked to this. He was on national TV saying he's always wanted to own an NFL team. Why doesn't he get in on the commanders now with everything he's got brewing in the D.C. area? I think he's got more links to Seattle, just as a, personally, in, in his Still? life. Yeah, and I think there's more opportunity for him to buy a more affordable franchise. What's going to happen does he here? Care about affordable? Well, he's not dumb. He's not just going to pour billions of dollars into, into something that's you know that he's so got to pour more billions. You don't do this as the sleeping giant where you get to design the stadium. Seahawks already have theirs. You you get to be the conquering hero post Dan Snyder. No added value. There's part, there's there's some, but it, you're talking about a ten billion dollar proposition. And I know he can afford it, but just because he can doesn't mean he would. Right? You're basically saying he's got to navigate every political landmine in D.C. and give the city council every thing they want and every tree's got to be planted, every sapling, every job, every this. He's got to be responsible for transforming a, a, a part of the city, and that's the moonshot, or it's going to Prince William County or somewhere near a data center in Ashburn. I don't think he wants to deal with that. There's a reason he hasn't swept in yet, and everybody keeps saying his name because they want him to. So my guess is that he doesn't. It's going to be somebody else, and it's going to be people that we don't know necessarily who end up doing it. I don't think it gets to $7 billion. The reason I think he will ultimately get in is these – these teams do not become available very often. If you really want to buy an NFL team, this is a strike while the iron is hot proposition. You, you say, well, Seattle would make more sense. We don't know that Seattle's ever going to be sold. Totally true. There's a thought that they might be sold, right? That's kind of what they're talking about there is, will Paul Allen sell the Seahawks, or, or will that team ever be sold at some point? In fact, I'm looking at a story here from Bloomberg, uh, with Paul Allen, my friend, unfortunately passing away, and the team is in a trust, uh, Jim Irsay said, speculated it's going to become available, I'd imagine, in the 2024 range. That's All these comments, by the way, Jim Irsay's in the middle of everything. He's he's, um, he's the talker, I guess, among the owners. Is Paul Allen's kid also Paul Allen, or who's who's running the thing now? I actually embarrassed to say I don't know. Okay, well, you shouldn't be embarrassed. We don't cover the Seahawks. I thought Paul Allen's kid was also the same name, but regardless of whoever's running the Seahawks, do they want to sell? Is is it locked into some trust? Do they do they start to? That's what it, happened with the Broncos. It was in exactly. a trust, which meant it was a matter of time. So it's possible that that Ursay is right in twenty twenty four. This thing ends up being sold. That is true. I just wouldn't count on that if I'm Bezos. And the other thing in this story, you know what it says? 
Could the team fetch as much as $8 billion? You heard that before? I mean, it's, it's not like they're going to sell. With all the success they've had in Seattle and the, the, the way that organization goes, and unlike Washington, they actually sell out and they have a massive, ravenous current fan base. I don't think they're going to sell for much less than the Commanders. Outstanding facility that's already made, outstanding stadium, ready-made. All that stuff is there and ready to go. This is the beginning of that, the dawn of it, where you're going to have to extend a lot more capital to do so. And I think a, a couple of people may have balked at that or you know, are hoping for something else. But yeah, I mean, it's going to take a lot to turn this thing around. There's a, there's a great line on the show Succession, which I think is a little bit overrated, but I, I put that aside for a second, where the big boss says, I'm turning around an oil tanker. That's what's ha- that's what you'd have to do here. I you can, but it's just hard. Sometimes those things get stuck. I'm going to say Bezos eventually gets in. I'm not as sold on that, but I'm going to I'm going to put my betting money on that. And I'm going to say they get close to or right around 7 bill. I think we get into that vicinity if you will. Whether it's right on that or a little over a little under, I think that the number gets up there. Bezos may help it, but that's kind of always been I I just what people around the league were expecting, and I don't know where that came from other than there had to be a reason that that was kind of the prevailing thought, but uh, that, that's completely a guess. I mean, I'm, we're sure. both just throwing yeah. darts at the <laughs> we're, wall. We're here. experts in that, in that field. Uh, but yeah, but I, I do think if if it's Seattle, that's also $7 billion or six and a half or you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like The first bid was 6.3. Before anyone starts fighting, raising their paddles, going back and forth, the first bid was 6.3. A more successful entity, I'm not so sure at this point, you know, is, is going to be uh, much less than that. Another of the stories we were tracking today was the NBA trade deadline. The Wizards did not make a move. Your boy is glad that they didn't because I think had they have made a move, they would have added assets. They would have been a buyer. I wanted them to be a seller. I knew they weren't going to be a seller. So I was rooting against any kind of mm. further investment into this current iteration. So I'm perfectly fine with them not making a move, but I know a lot of people are upset. Yeah, I'm bummed. Um, not because I wanted anything added. I, I echo that. I think I think it's almost irresponsible to, to do nothing at a trade deadline. And here's what I but, mean. But wouldn't you have rather them done nothing than buy? Oh, of course. And you I, knew they weren't going to sell. Well, that, that's therein lies the problem. I, I, I just want people to do the right thing. Do do the right thing all the time. Never, ever do the wrong thing. Just do the right thing and add it up and see, and keep, see what the score is. I'm working back from I woke up today knowing they weren't selling. Fair. So the next best thing is please don't buy. Totally fair. The, re- the reality is everything you just said. I do not disagree with a word of it. The, the simple fact is they won't do the right thing. So it reminds me, remember a couple years ago before the Nats World Series run when they let the trade deadline come and go, they did nothing, then they lost a few games and like somebody broke the coffee maker in, in Chicago when they blew yet another lead and then they sold everybody at like a discount in the post-waiver tra- uh, post trade deadline. Don't do that. Either add or subtract. I hate that. This is a nothing burger for a team that might get the nine seed. Never do that. Never, ever, 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 ever do that. Up or down. Pick. If you want to be up, I can disagree with you, but at least do something and act like it. I don't understand what the plan is. Who do you think, what programs, college, school, uh, which university spent the most money on football recruiting this past season? That's a great question by you. Texas. Georgia. Georgia. How much do you think they spent? I wouldn't know where to begin on this. I'm going to say. I think this is just their budget for like traveling around. Right, right, right. Paying for whoever's doing it. Not like the money that is set aside for these players. Yeah. I'm going to say. I, uh, this is me just saying a number. I'm going to say $20 million. 
Four and a half million. Oh, I was way out of fact. Okay. I ruined it. The, the most that any team spent this year, Texas A&M second at three million bucks. And that's before you even get into some of the accounts that get set up and some of the things that happen for the players to actually go to the school. I was talking to a, um, a college coach actually this past week, and he was like, you, you guys don't understand how crazy all of this is for – I mean, listen, I, I I don't have much sympathy for college coaches on, on a lot of fronts because all the rules used to be set up for them. It was out of their convenience. The guys couldn't transfer and they'd right. sit out a year or whatever, and they could come and go and go to the highest bidder and could gray shirt people. There was all sorts of stuff that was very flimsy. But he's like, now the reality is any kid that doesn't get the exact amount of minutes that he thinks he deserves, you have to then start recruiting that kid that's already on your team again because of the transfer portal or NIL or, or, or whatever else. The, the 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 different things that have fallen through for guys where somebody sleazy has made them a promise that you're going to, you know, you'll go here and you'll get half a million dollars to do seven TikTok dances and then it doesn't materialize. And now, you know, he, he barely has a dorm to live in. Also, he's like, no one knows what to do or how to do it. It's insane. I don't envy that. It's a, yeah. it, that is not a fun thing to have to do right now is to keep all the players on your team happy while you're trying to coach them and make them better and mm-hmm. occasionally have to yell at them and tell them the right and wrong ways to do things and things they don't want to hear because the grass is always going to be greener. But to your point, it's a correction to a long yeah. time of uh, no power at all for the player. Yeah, it was so cushy for coaches forever because they basically helped write the rules. So I don't have much sympathy in that regard. But the current climate is, a, as you said, a violent correction. One final note today. If you are having a Super Bowl party, get ready to pay a little bit more for it. Alcoholic drinks are up 6%. Non-alcoholic drinks are up 13% in oh. price at the store from a year ago at this time. Cost of foods falling a bit under four major categories here. Meat, fish, eggs, and then fruits and veggies. Here's the good news. If you're like me and you like wings, the price of chicken wings was $2.65 per pound as early uh, as of early January, which is down $3.38 from last year's Super Bowl. Here we go. So your, your, your price of wings per pound has dropped substantially as you get ready for your you Super Bowl Remember last party. year was a bit of a wing crisis. Oh, right. I'm well was it aware. 2020? I can't remember which year it was, but it I was ran bad. out to the store like uh, you know, a scared family getting toilet paper before a snowstorm, just to stockpile wings. Just to make sure somebody had wingy. Outside of the gas stations, you know, you see those like uh, refrigerators with all those bags of ice. I've got one of those full of just bags of of bricks <laughs> of of frozen chicken, just to make sure when the next wing shortage comes, I can get through it. Honey, can you grab me some ice? No, but I do have frozen raw chicken. I've got the wings if you need those for the air fryer. Uh, big thanks to Darius and Ryan, as always. G&D saying so long. We're back at 2 o'clock tomorrow for our Football Friday, our final show of the week ahead of Super Bowl 57, which you'll hear right here on The Fan this weekend. Thanks for listening. Thank you for coming. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.